Hey, good morning, good morning, you guys. I hope you're doing well today on this beautiful day. Hope you've had a great week, and um, God is good all the time, amen. We've been talking about getting in the game, and I've been urging and encouraging and prodding and trying to push us out there into the world, out of our pews for those who come live to worship and out of our couches for those who are still sitting at home watching at home. You know who you are. But we need to get out. We need to get out of those seats and out into the world and involved in the lives of people for the kingdom of God. We've been talking about the big picture of getting in the game, the game from the big view perspective that there's two teams there's only two sides and and we're on god's team because jesus came and gave us an opportunity to transfer from the kingdom of the scattered and the lost into the kingdom of light and hope and love and the team of god so we've made our way to the team to team god and now we're talking about the nuts and the bolts of the game the, the details of the game and so that's what we're getting at. We said Esther was willing to take one for the team because that's what a good team member does. They're willing to take one for the team, you know, in a, in a sporting event or in reality, in the world, for our children, for other people, in the kingdom of God. We're willing to take one for the team. We're willing to take some risks. We're willing to stick our neck out. We're willing to say things to the world, to an evil world that may not be politically correct, it could possibly offend somebody, but we're going to stand up for truth in love and we're going to be willing to take one for the team, right? That's what we're going to do. The second thing we talked about in the nuts and bolts is that freedom comes to us at a price. It costs Jesus dearly. It cost him his life. Every ounce of blood in his body, he came, poured out that our sins would be forgiven. And so freedom, our freedom to be on the team, to get in the game comes at a price. We gotta be willing to lay down our life as well. Jesus called us to take up the cross. So, so freedom for us came at a price, freedom for other people that don't know the Lord yet, it's gonna come at a price and that price might be you. You going out there and doing something crazy and radical for the kingdom of God that others might come to know Jesus. And then we talked about great teams need great captains. They need great captains. They need people to rise up and lead the way to show others how it can be done and to take those risks, to be willing to go where no one else is willing to go, to do what nobody else is willing to do, to say what nobody else is willing to say and lead the charge. God's kingdom on this earth needs good captains. Well, I wanna read a passage of scripture to you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter nine. Look what it says, Paul writes, he says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, right? The Olympics are coming up. They're going to take the track. Gun's going to go off and boom, there they all go. They're, they're all supposed to go at the same time. Fairly, right? Okay. In a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the Prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified 
for the prize. Today, here's what we're going to talk about. Today, we compete to win the prize. When it comes to getting in the game, we are competing to win the prize because there are forces at work that want to keep you from staying on God's team. They want to keep you from serving the Lord and helping others find their way to Christ. There are spiritual forces in this world trying to keep you from succeeding on God's team. And so our mindset, and that's what it is, it's an attitude, it's a mindset, it has to begin with that. Our mindset is we are going to compete for the prize. We are going to stay close to God, we are going to hold on to His truths, and we are not going to let the world pull us in any direction. We are going to stay focused on Him. And there's lots of Bible people that show us this kind of mindset. You think about people in the scriptures, they had this mindset of competing for the prize. They had the winning edge. They had the winning edge for two reasons. One, because their faith was in God. And that alone, their faith being in God and God being part of their life, like all of their life, not when I say part, I don't mean a piece of it, like many people have like, their faith is just one little sliver of their life. No, a part means the whole. God is the whole of your life. He is, he is involved in every slice of your life or he's not involved in any of it. Okay, so it's not that God is getting a part of our life. He's getting all of our life. But when God is a part of your entire life, that tips the scales to your advantage. So these people who live by faith, who ran to compete to win the prize, the first thing they had on their side was God was on their side. And the second thing is that they lived by faith. They trained themselves. They learned the word of God and they lived their life by faith. They walked the walk. And this brings confidence. When you are walking the walk and God is walking with you, there is confidence in your life to fight and compete to win the prize. People like Abraham, who we know you know, for, for the faith, because he kept the faith. God honored Abraham. And guys like Noah, because Noah listened when no one else, everyone else thought he was crazy, and he still was right there hammering away. Faith, he put it into action. And Job and Isaiah, all of these Old Testament people and New Testament people, they were not perfect people, but they were faithful people. And I want to share some lessons from a, a young man by the name of Daniel. Daniel in the Old Testament, Daniel. Daniel's life is so remarkable. There's so many bizarre and crazy and adventurous and wild things that happen in the book of Daniel. He lived a very adventurous life. He was a young Jewish boy when we meet him and his companions in Jerusalem. Remember Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they, they, they travel as a, as a group. They're carried off as a group. What happens is Babylon comes into Jerusalem and attacks Jerusalem, and they carry off many people as slaves. They bring them into what is called exile. They are now in exile in a foreign land. Daniel finds himself there in a strange place as a young boy being pulled away from his own land. And now he's in exile in a foreign land in Babylon. Exile is just that. It's being in a foreign land by force, being ripped out of your homeland, your own land, and you are no longer free. Now, everyone in this country, we know, 
There's freedom in this country. We're all free. And many of our grandparents and, and great-grandparents, they came here willingly because they wanted to find a better life. And they came to this country. And there's people right now on the southern border trying to get into this great country, America, because they know that this is a land of opportunity. And when you're here and you're a citizen, you are living in a free country. Well, there's two truths about this country, the great United States. One, one is this, we are all foreigners here. Okay, this country is not very old, right? A couple hundred years old, but compared to Europe, the Middle East, thousands of years old. So we're a very young country. Every one of us, our parents came here, grandparents or great grandparents, they came here from another country before this was even a country. And so we're very young. So all of us are foreigners here. Number two is we are all free. We are free to dream. We are free to get an education. We are free to get a job that we choose. We are free to build a business. We are a free country. Every person in this world, unless you're in prison because you committed a crime, everyone outside of jail is living in a free country, free to do whatever it is you want, whatever you want. Daniel finds himself with his companions in a foreign land. This is very relevant to our times today. And we're going to get to why. We live, we live in the land of opportunity. We live in a great land of opportunity right here in this country. Thanks to the men and women in blue, and thanks to those who are in the military who have fought, your parents, my parents, our great-grandparents who fought in wars to keep us free, to keep us from becoming a... Uh, a ruled country from somebody else out there becoming a communist country or a Marxist country. We live in a free country. We don't want to be a communist country. We don't want to be a Marxist country. We don't want to be ruled by Britain or anyone else. We want to live as free people in this country. And we might have to fight to keep it that way even today. But we live in the land of opportunity, and many have fought to keep us in this place. And there are thousands of stories of people who fought to keep us free. Thousands of people who fought to keep us free. Free so we can live and live out our dreams and do what it is we want to do. Thousands of people. Or, or they escaped a communist country or a oppressed country and made their way here and became legal citizens and, and a part of this free country that we live in. They came here and now are very successful people. There's lots of stories, lots of stories of people like that who started with nothing and with hard work and seizing the, the most of the opportunities that were around them, they, they did great things in their life. And I have a list of those people. I'm going to share that list with you right now. So this is a list of people that you guys are going to know. You're going to be very familiar with the names of people. But all of these people have one thing in common, and that is they came from nothing. And they rose to uh, great places in this country. I'm not going to be referring to the godliness of their life in any way. This is more about the fact that in America, every one of us have opportunity. Leonardo DiCaprio, remember him? You know him. He grew up in L.A. on the streets, drug-infested, prostitution all around him. He could have caved in and given into that lifestyle and just became part of it, but he didn't. He chose a better way. Walt Disney. We all know Walt Disney, right? From rags, he's a true rags to riches story. He started off drawing paintings that nobody wanted. He was jobless. 
And we all know the rest of the story. We go visit his, his creations all around the world, mostly for us in Florida. Amazing, Walt Disney, Cristiano Ronaldo. Check this out, from a tin roof house in Portugal. His dad was a gardener. You don't make a whole lot of money from being a gardener. His dad becomes an alcoholic and his dad dies. His mother, when, he, when Ronaldo was born, Cristiano was born, she wanted to abort him because of their extreme poverty life. She didn't think she should bring another child into this world and she went ahead and brought him into this world and he's become the, one of the greatest soccer players in, in, the, in the world. How about Charlie Chaplin? One of the biggest comedians in the silent era, right? Traumatic childhood. His mom was placed into a mental hospital. His dad dies, and he and his younger brother are left, are left to make a trivial living. And he goes on to become the greatest comedian, one of the greatest comedians of the silent era. And we don't have time to talk about so many other people who came from nothing, and many that you probably know. Guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Celine Dion, Jim Carrey, Haley Berry. All, all of these grabbed hold of the opportunities in this country that this country offers us as a people. And they overcame whatever was they were up against in their own life. They didn't make excuses. They lived, they lived in this country and they were down, but they were not out and they made the most of what was before them. You know, sometimes freedom, sometimes freedom and bondage is simply in our mind. We become, we become stuck in the brain and we are in bondage only because we think we are. And in reality, the opportunities are all around us, but we limit ourselves or, or we use them as an excuse to play some kind of victim that, that woe is me. I never get a break. I never get a chance. Look at all these obstacles I have. And we don't make the most of the opportunities around us because we're stuck. And because we're looking for an excuse. With that said, we live in a free country. We can do whatever we want. We can chase whatever dream we want. But, but, and here's the kicker. We do not live in a free world. We do not live on a free planet. Okay? There's a big difference between being in the United States living free and being in mankind, humankind, and not being free. In this world, we are not in a free world. We are all, here's the thing, we are all in exile here. Just like Daniel was carried off to Babylon in exile, we are all in exile right here in this world on this planet. Check this out, some verses. Paul says in Galatians 3, but the scripture declares the, that, that we are all prisoners of sin. So, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing that Jesus you know, it's the Christ, that Jesus is Lord. That's how we gain our freedom, it's in Jesus. But outside of Jesus, we are all in bondage. Hebrews 13 says, for this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. Get that? We're looking, for, we're looking forward to our everlasting home in another place, not on this planet. Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you were not God's team, right? Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How? Because we gave our life to Jesus. Beloved, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, that's what we are, foreigners and exiles, to abstain from the desires of the flesh which war against your soul. We are not at home in this world. 
We are in enemy territory. We are like Daniel in Babylon. We are, we are not, we do not belong to this planet. Our home is in heaven. Our citizenship is there. And we are missionaries for God on this earth. And that should motivate us to get in the game, to get on the field, to get our position moving and get saving people before it's too late. Paul said this to Timothy, join me in suffering. And I love this passage, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's who we are. There's a war going on. We're competing for a prize and there's two sides. And we are soldiers of Christ Jesus fighting a spiritual battle that is taking place in a physical realm called this world. But it's a spiritual battle. A soldier, look what he says, a soldier refrains from entangling himself in civilian or worldly affairs. We stay out of it. We don't jump in with it or with them, especially in areas that are sin, especially in areas that are questionable or gray areas. We stay away from those. We stay out of those. The world dives head into them. We don't. We refrain, Paul says. We stay out of there. We don't get entangled with civilian affairs in order, and here's why, so that we can please the one who enlisted us. Who enlisted us? God has enlisted us. He sent his son and saved us from our sins. We belong to him. We serve him. We're soldiers of him. Stop. We should stop acting like soldiers of the world, living like pagans in this planet. This world is not our home. We are in exile on this planet. Likewise, he says, a competitor does not receive a crown unless he competes according to the rules. And we're going to talk about that next week. Playing by the rules. Such a big part of getting in the game, being on the field, playing by the rules, playing by the rules. So we're running to get a prize, but we're playing according to God's rules, not the world's rules. The world doesn't have rules. They can just make up whatever they want. And most of them are contrary to the things of God. They are against the truth of God. They don't even believe in, in the things of God or the word of God. And so this world is fighting against God. We do not want to be a part of that. We're running to get the prize. We're focused. We're on purpose. We're on the field. And we're in the game. So let's get to Daniel. 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 Daniel is a, a man of God. And we're going to kind of wrap it up with this, some thoughts about Daniel. Daniel is God's man. He's on God's team. He's in the game. Daniel has the mentality of winning the prize, competing for the prize. He is, he is here to serve the Lord. And like I said, he is, he is carried off as a young boy. He is a true captain for the team God. He is willing to pay a price. If that means death, he's willing to go there. He is willing to take one for the team at every turn of his life. And he is free, free to serve the living God because he has, he has given himself to the Lord God. He is a servant of the Most High God. There is nothing to be found in the life of Daniel that would, that would be questionable. In fact, in Daniel's story, they even look for a way to trap Daniel a way to catch him in some kind of sin. And they can't find anything, so they have to go after his faith. You remember that. So here's some truths, some big truths, three big truths about Daniel. And in this story, he is interpreting the king's dreams. Daniel is a man who had great wisdom. God gave him great abilities to, to, uh, to interpret dreams and visions. He had some himself. Daniel had more wisdom than anyone in, in, the, in the nation of Babylon. 
All the wise men, all the nobles could not compete with the wisdom of Daniel. But here's it's three things I want to share with you about Daniel. Number one, number one, Daniel, Daniel competed to win the prize because he had God's protection. He had God's protection all around him. From the time he was deported from Jerusalem and carried off, thousands of Jewish people carried off into exile to the highest place in Babylon. He became one of the third highest level of, of uh, authority in all of Babylon. He went from being a slave to being third in charge of all of Babylon. Think about that. That is opportunity. He is in hostile territory. He could have said, oh, woe is me. I can't. What, what am I going to do? I'm a slave in this country of Babylon. But he doesn't. He simply, he simply is a faithful guy to God. And God protects Daniel all through time, through different situations. When evil men attempt to bring Daniel down, God is right there helping him rise. God actually using the evil man's plots to help Daniel rise and to show their evilness. God's protection was all over Daniel. Just like God protected Daniel, he will protect us. He will protect you. When you decide to get out there and do something risky for God, he is going to be right there with you. No matter what happens, he is with you in it. If it goes the way you want it to go, praise the Lord. If it doesn't go the way you want it to go, that's okay. God is working in it anyway. No matter what happens, God is the one who's going to be working through it. And his will needs to be done, not ours. Right? He will protect you. Psalm. Chapter 5 says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. When we take our refuge in God and his protection is around us, we can, we can live with joy in our heart. Let him sing, let, him, let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. God is with you in the midst of your exile, and God is protecting you, number two. Number two. When we're competing to get the prize, like Daniel was competing to win the prize as he lived out his life in exile, he knew this, that God was the one who gifted him. That his blessings, that his gifts, that his abilities, his skills were from above. That God was the one that gifted him. God protected him and God gifted him. This unique ability that Daniel had to interpret dreams and visions. Nobody else. The first one that, that comes to Daniel is when Daniel, the king, has this, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of this giant statue that's got gold and silver and bronze and iron and clay. And this big boulder, this big rock comes down and crushes the feet of this soul of the statue and it falls over. Well, the king had this dream. And he invited all the satraps and all the wise men and nobles in to interpret the dream, but he didn't tell them the dream. So the challenge was they had to tell King Nebuchadnezzar first what his dream was without knowing it, and then what it meant. Nobody could do that. Nobody. And then Daniel is brought in. And Daniel not only interprets the dream and what it means, but Daniel tells him what his dream was without even knowing it. The God of all creation 
is the only one able to give a dream to Nebuchadnezzar and, and then share that dream with one of his captains, one of his servants. God gave him what he needed in that situation to rise. Daniel did not do this on his own. Only God could give Daniel the wisdom and the understanding of the dream in another mind, in somebody else's mind, to be able to share that. God is the only one who could do that. And for Daniel, God did that. His wisdom was greater than all the nobles and the wise men. That wisdom gave him opportunity to rise, God's giftedness in Daniel, and that wisdom was completely from God. Just like God gifted Daniel for, for his purpose and for his time living in Babylon, carried off in exile, he has already gifted you with yours. God has already gifted you if you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, God has gifted you for a purpose. He has blessed you. He's, he's given you abilities that no one else should be able to do. Only you. And he's got work for you to do. He's got works of service for you to do. Works of service are waiting for you. It's your job to figure it out, to get out there and put it to work. Start serving the king somewhere out there in the world. And let God do amazing things through your life. Watch him open new doors that you never even knew were there. Watch him do things through you that you never thought you could do. It's always scary when you see a bird, sometimes an eagle, and you see the, 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 the mother bird push the, the baby bird out of the nest, right? And that baby bird has never flown, right? And that baby bird is just like, wah, 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 you know, trying to figure it out, right? And yeah, the mama's right there, ready to swoop in before that baby bird dashes its body against the rocks. But that mama pushes that baby out of the nest or drags that baby out of the nest and drops it. And that's how that bird needs to, learns to fly. Think about the traumatic experience for the bird. You know, we talk about trauma and people and why they're messed up and all that stuff. Think about the trauma of that baby bird. Mom! pushes him out of the nest. He doesn't know how to fly, he hasn't been taught yet, and now he's just, he's flailing away in the, in, the, in the air as he's headed for the earth. And he's gotta figure it out. He's got to figure out how to fly. That's what he's doing. Out of the nest you go. Figure it out. Well, don't make God, don't make God push you out of the nest. I say, go willingly and go now. Go willingly and go now. Go for God. First of all, put the gift that God has given you into action. Exercise it. If you don't know what it is, talk to somebody and try to figure out what it is. Talk to people in your church. Talk to leaders around you. Talk to people that know you well. Figure out what your gift is and then figure out a way to go do it in the world, not just in a secluded classroom in the church building. That's fine. But the world needs your gift. The world needs us out there in the community using our abilities in the, in the world, in, a, in, a, in, a, in exile, right? In hostile territory, in the darkness, penetrating the darkness. That's where we need to be. Maybe the problem is, maybe the problem is that we have it, we have it too good in exile. We're in exile. We don't belong here. This is hostile territory. We are missionaries for God on this planet. Our citizenship isn't even here. But maybe we have it too good.
We have it too comfortable. We have it too easy. And we're getting too lazy in the midst of it all. Don't let that happen. Reverse that. Get out there. Remember where you are, that we live in hostile territory and there are captives all around us that need Jesus. Number three, God's impact. Daniel competed to get the prize and God used him in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. Daniel was in a really bad situation. I mean, think about it. He got carried off. Like his city got destroyed. His people died. And those that remained soldiers, like soldiers poking at him, prodding them, beating them, dragging them off to another land, walking. They're having to walk through the dirt. They have nothing. They didn't pack a bag or a backpack or take a suitcase. They just were dragged, ripped out of their homes, ripped out of their city, ripped out of their country, taken to a foreign land. That's a bad situation to be carried off as a slave to a foreign land and viewed, viewed as a piece of property now, a slave. Like no value. You have no value. You're just, you're just a tool for us to use and abuse. What could possibly, like what could possibly, what possible good could come from this? Right? We all ask that question, don't we? When things go bad, tragedy strikes, people die, stuff happens to our home, stuff happens to our country, stuff happens to our town. When tragedy comes, we all say it. Why God? Why me? Woe is me? How come us? Right? All that. We forget. We live in hostile territory. This whole world is a prisoner to sin. And even the, the creation is groaning because it is, it is under a curse as well. And if we know this as Christians, we should never be surprised as bad things happen. Right? Never. We know it's going to happen. We expect it to happen because the world is a prisoner to sin. All of it. People and the creation itself. Everything is. But we ask, why, God? And here's the thing. God knows exactly why. God knows exactly where you are, who you are, and what's going on in your life. He knows what he is up to in your life. He is up to something big. And if our attitude is, I am competing to win the prize, then whether we fall down, get knocked down, get tripped, break an ankle, break a leg, break a hip, whatever happens, it's part of God's work in us. Maybe not his plan. God doesn't want us to get hurt. But we live in a fallen world, so getting hurt is part of the deal. We just get back up and we keep moving with God and we let God use our injury. We let God use whatever happens to us, good and bad, for his good as he uses it to reach the world around us. Daniel was in a very bad situation, but Daniel kept his eyes on God. He kept his attitude and his mindset on competing to get the prize no matter how many times he got knocked down or thrown into a lion's den. None of that mattered. He was going to trust God. And for all of Daniel's troubles and all of Daniel's adventures, check this out. Here's what we read in, in Daniel chapter 6. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all of the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree. You know, the kings, four different kings in Daniel's 70 years, 70 years he was in exile, 70 years his whole life. From a young boy till he died. He, was in, he never went back to Jerusalem. 
He died in exile. But God used him in such a great way. When you think you got it bad, just think about Daniel. He was in exile for 70 years, but, but he didn't stay down. He, he let God use him to climb and to rise into places of influence. And look what happens. Kings made all kinds of edicts, usually against Daniel and his people. But look at this one. I, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, Babylon, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Do you see that? Remember Daniel, the, 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 the satraps, 120 satraps tricked. They, they couldn't find anything against Daniel, so they tricked the king into making this edict that, that anyone who prayed to any other god should be thrown into the lion's den. And sure enough, Daniel's like, what? What? That's not going to stop me. So he goes up to his room and he faces Jerusalem and out the window and he's praying to his God three times a day, just like he always did. And they see him, of course, they know he's going to do it. And they grab him and they throw him into the lion's den. And God protects him in the midst of the lion's den. And God pulls him out of, or, or uh, the king pulls him out of the lion's den. And then he makes this decree that it's Daniel's God that we're all going to worship now. Why? Because Daniel was willing to risk it. He was willing to die believing that God could rescue him. Even as he was tossed, even as he was tossed into the lion's den where hungry lions waited to eat him. But God caused them to not be hungry. And so they bring the next morning, the king is sad. He didn't want Daniel to go to the lion's den. The king brings Daniel out the next morning because Daniel's still alive. The lions didn't touch him. He brings Daniel out. And what's he do? He realizes he was tricked. And he throws all of those satraps and their families into the lion's den. And the lions then eat really well. God. God is able to use you if you keep your eyes on the prize and you keep your eyes on him. Sharing the good news. The greatest impact that you and I will ever have in exile is sharing the good news with other prisoners. That's the greatest impact you will have, not becoming a great superstar athlete. That is not the greatest impact you will have, okay? Becoming a millionaire is not the greatest impact you will ever have, okay? Coming up with a cure for some disease is not the greatest impact you'll ever have. The greatest impact that you could ever possibly have is sharing the good news of what God has done and the salvation we have in Jesus with other prisoners who are on this planet in exile and they don't even know it. They don't even realize they're prisoners. Do you? Do we? Do we really realize that we are prisoners in this world without Jesus? And there are hundreds and thousands of people living on the planet right now, live around you in your town. And they are a prisoner, they are in exile, and they don't even know it. Somebody needs to share it with them. Somebody needs to have a burning passion to get out there and figure out a way to share this truth with a lost world. We're, we, run, we run this race, right? We run this race in this lost world as exiles here, and we run it, we run it to get 
the price because we are all prisoners in this world outside of Jesus. We are in exile on the planet. And here's the deal. We compete to win the prize. That's what we do. We compete to win the prize. Daniel competed to get the prize, right? His entire life, all 70 years in exile, his life plus God's presence equaled the gold, equaled the prize. Daniel fought and ran to get the prize. His life, God's presence equals the gold, equals the prize. Get in the game. We all need to get in the game. We all need to run to win the prize. Figure out what God has gifted in your life, where your position is on the field, and get busy in it. Get busy serving the Lord. Get on the field, live out your role, get in the game, and let God use you for his glory, for his glory. And tell other prisoners, tell other friends and family members who are in, in exile with us and don't even realize it, that there is hope, and that hope is only in Jesus. God bless you guys. Have a great week. I love you.